0: So welcome to another episode of The Marketer's Edge, a series designed to share senior-level marketing perspective about marketer challenges, opportunities, and agency relationships. Our goal is to help marketers and agencies learn from other marketers across different industries. Today, we're talking with David Dirks, the Vice President of Marketing for the Hudson Valley Credit Union. Hudson Valley Credit Union is a full-service, not-for-profit financial cooperative with over 300,000 members. David, thanks for joining us today. How have you been? Uh, great. Thank
1: you, Mark. And I appreciate the opportunity to join a- you today as well.
0: A- absolutely. Glad you could and, and, and glad we're, I uh, you know, we had a little, little bit of trouble sort of nailing down a date and so glad we finally got it together. But um, so I've, I've got a small handful of questions for you. But mm-hmm. before we do that, can you tell me a little bit about Hudson Valley Credit Union and your role in the organization so our listeners know what kind of company it is and, and what you sure. do for them?
1: Sure. I mean, credit unions have been around a long time, and I think, you know, we're basically a financial services institution, no different than your local bank or community bank. We provide, you know, our mission is to provide our customers, whom we call members, because they are, in fact, as you noted, a cooperative. So our organization is a nonprofit, but essentially we provide the same financial services and uh, some with some differences – um, to uh, people in our communities that we serve. And we serve 12 counties here in New York State. And uh, we actually evolved from, uh, we were originally an IBM employee credit union. And then over the years, over 58 years, it evolved to more a broader financial services institution where anybody living in the 12 counties we service can be a part of okay. our member base.
0: And, and what is an IBM? I'm not familiar with that term. Uh, international, IBM. Oh, IBM. Oh, IBM. Okay. Yeah, we okay. so
1: a lot of uh, a lot of credit unions evolved from specialty uh, financial services servicing uh, specific got it. organizations. You know, like it. Boeing so had
0: IBM credit union. Right, right, right. Got exactly. It. So oh, that's where that's
1: where it came from. Basically, got
0: it. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know General Electric Credit Union has. Right the mortgage out on my house so (laughs) right exactly and it's
1: changed now the model is wider the definition of who can become a member is far more uh, broader and easier so it's it's not really okay
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm curious, you specifically, you mentioned banks and and the services that you offer being comparable to banks, you know, uh, I'm curious, you specifically call out the differences between banks and credit unions on your website and having worked with marketing agencies for the past 16 years, many who have targeted credit unions as potential clients. Mm -hmm. I know that pointing out that difference was really important. Um, you know back in the day I'm just curious how important is it for you and Hudson Valley today to really sort of highlight those differences and and what what value do you think it it provides you
1: well you know to be honest with you I came from the banking industry so okay. before I came to the credit union and, and essentially you you mentioned the fact that credit unions are comparable to banks we do the same thing any bank does so it's not even a, I and I think credit unions for a long time have kind of stumbled a bit trying to define, you know, who can be a member and who can't be a member. Okay. At the end of the day, I'm moving away from that model of trying to explain the differences <laughs> between a credit union and a bank because uh, um, customers or members don't really care. What they care about is how can we service them in a way that makes them successful in their financial life? And sure. and that's what they really, really want the brand to do. So, you know, doesn't really matter to me whether we're a credit union or how we define ourselves, what's more important is are we getting the brand message across uh, in our communities that we serve, that we are, um, we offer, you know, not only just better rates and, you know, all this other stuff, we actually, there are some competitive advantages. One of them is uh, credit unions typically have had a very strong uh, service model. So like if you go to a a larger bank, it's like, who do I talk to? Can I talk to anybody Our model is whether it's in the branch or online or um, in a contact center or call center uh, sense, we really, really reach deep and make sure that, you know, we provide our members the ability to get their questions asked or whatever they're dealing with in their financial life, you know, down to the personal level. And and that's, I think, a unique uh, brand proposition.
0: Definitely, yeah. And I've seen that across credit unions, you know, just – being, you know, where customer service is so vital right. to um, setting them apart. Now, and that is a good sort of segue into the next question, which is you know, with customer engagement being such an important part of the character and personality of a credit union brand, how, how did Hudson Valley, Valley manage to keep that connection with customers rock solid mm-hmm. during the pandemic when you were really limited in how much you could, could do?
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, you know, like many institutions, we were dealing with closed branches or limited services, you know, during certain times of the last couple of years. Right. Uh, two things that really strike me as important. One was we made sure we communicated with our members at all steps. I mean, if if not anything, we over communicated, okay. knowing that people were going through terrible times, a lot of stress anyway. You know, there's they had enough to deal with without having to worry about things. The other thing that worked in our favor was our strong service model. So we already had that built in that we, and we kept that service model strong. As a matter of fact, interestingly enough, we have a a fully staffed, you know, 80 plus person contact center, which is open six days a week and has late hours. So, you know, members can literally call in if they need to. But we actually, because we closed branches during a, a good part of the pandemic, Uh, We took a lot of the staff that would be working in branches and were able to technology-wise put them on the phone. So Hmm. even if you – so we augmented. Our phone volume went up. People are, you know, more concerned. They've got questions. So our phone volume during that pandemic period went up, you know, astronomically. But we were able to service it because we were able to quickly move – extra people assets from our branches our branches we had 20 20 almost well we had 21 branches mm-hmm. moved them into the contact center mode so they became productive and engaged with our customer base That's and right. augmented our, our call center base and then this That's is right. on top of our online capabilities as well so we we really really I think the service model and the fact that we um, we really you know made sure that we over communicated to our members right uh, every which way we could
0: do you, do you see how you market and communicate to members being differently, being different, say, you know, six, 12 months from now than it was, you know, the six months, 12 months, however many months that preceded the pandemic? Or do you see sort of Hudson Valley kind of falling back into the same manner uh, of communication uh, that it was, uh, was before?
1: Well, our service model is still high, but I uh, c- yeah. clearly, uh, to your point, Mark, you know, we're not over communicating now. I mean, there just aren't that many issues. You right, know? Just, right. So the intensity levels come down right. to a little bit more normal, whatever normal yeah. is these days. Right. Yeah, thank goodness um, for that. Right. And we try, you know, our you know our messaging isn't, you know, generic anymore. When COVID, we kind of had to do more larger scale generic messaging, sure. keep people informed what's happening. We, we try to target our, our messaging to our customers based on their needs. So okay. we're back to that level of really focusing on where people at in, are in their, where they're at in their financial lives, right. not necessarily focused on COVID, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And I noticed that on your site, that community activities are, mm. at least seem to be super important to Hudson Valley. And I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the more unique things you think you've done to, mm. you know, to bring the credit union and the community closer together?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, coming from the traditional banking world myself, I do appreciate and I appreciated right away the brand differentiation, brand differentiation that credit unions offer because when a credit union says it's committed to the community, that's no joke. There's real money available to invest in our communities and we, like for example, uh, if an organization, a nonprofit uh, has a a need or they're uh, doing some kind of a fundraiser, they can electronically go right on our site and easily and seamlessly uh, request, uh, you know, whatever it is. Usually it's, uh, you know, money to support this or whatever. Mm-hmm. We we have a very robust commitment financially to our communities that grows as we grow.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and we have team members here that are specifically focused on community investment. Um, we also have a huge investment in financial literacy and financial education. It's part of the oh, credit amazing. union culture is to help people as early as we can help them through whatever they might be dealing with. We do a lot of financial education in the schools, and, and we work with—I mean, I don't know—I I mean, a lot of school districts, right. and we spend a serious amount of investment providing educational materials for teachers. We also do financial literacy programs with other nonprofits to help people understand how they can better uh, uh, improve their financial lives. And that's a a serious investment. You don't always find that. I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular, but outside of that, you know, outside of the traditional photo op with the check, you know, which you'll see (laughs) once in a while, we go a little bit deeper than that. We also invest a lot in government relations in all the areas that we work in. We work with local officials, government officials. So the credit unions have the distinct advantage of really not saying nobody else does anything in that space, but we really, really invest there.
0: Is that because you're a not for profit or just because you prioritize that over other things in the organization?
1: I think a little bit of both. I mean, one is, you know, we're a cooperative, right? So our customers are really members, you know, in the, in the unique sense, it's not Mm -hmm. just a customer relationship, Uh, but I think also it's the commitment, you know, our board, Our senior executives uh, have long made the commitment, as almost every credit union does, to make sure that they're really invested. That means, you know, know, we have 800 plus employees and a good percentage of them are involved in those communities. They attend community events. We had a group go up to uh, Albany, New York to help, uh, you know, help build the house through Habitat, through humanity, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: those kinds of things. But that's an ongoing thing, not a one time thing.
0: Yeah. I wonder if that just inherently is sort of innate to credit unions because of where they came from. You know, you guys started as IBM. I'm sure the credit union cared a great deal for its employee mm-hmm. members. And that just sort of personality uh, just sort of evolved and and or maintained as uh, the credit union sort of, you know, broadened its uh, member base. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I'm curious just uh, changing the subject a bit from the 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 soft side of of the credit union to to more of the data and analytics mm-hmm. side of your world. Um, how How important is data and analytics in your world, and what role um, uh, in, in does it play in keeping credit unions competitive with larger banking systems?
1: Yeah, great question. And clearly, you know, with big data being the hot word as as it has been for the last five or 10 years, right? Um, we are really invested. I think, you know, one of the things that attracted me to this credit union is that they were investing in, at the time I joined five years ago, uh, with a fully uh, integrated business intelligence team. So okay. they've hired talent. And I think they recognized, you know, early on, uh, even before five years ago, that the the amount of data that we had wasn't necessarily, you know, there was an opportunity to leverage it and we needed to make sure we had the assets that could help uh, other parts of our organization level leverage that and break down data silos. So we clearly see um, data analytics uh, as an advantage uh, because of the fact that that's where we have to compete. I mean, right. Chase and other large competitors have been investing in analytics for a long time. So we're not going to be weighted We're not going to wait. Uh, yeah. So we've, I'm really happy as a marketer. I'm much vested in marketing analytics and marketing performance analytics, but I have a fully, uh, you know, I have access to a BI team that's been working on integrating data and making it easier and pushing down data access so that it's easier for managers across the organization to really ultimately do a better job for our members because we can solve problems with data whereas you know, we're not we're not waiting for you know other ways to solve it so we're we're ahead yeah. of the curve that way i'm actually proud to say
0: that uh, that's great where where do you think data and analytics sort of manifests itself most productively in your world of marketing. How does it how does it help <laughs> you most often, would you say? Well,
1: right off the base of the first part is the basic part is really understanding how our campaigns are performing okay. and in you know who's you know responding. So, I think our my initial focus when I got here was how do we improve uh, and help our own marketing team and others within the organization better understand their Return on uh investment, how do we make sure that we understand you know in a full circle manner how our 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 programs are performing? The other thing I think was important too is that you know we have um we use uh data analytics to help target and better message our members because we don't want to speak to everybody the same way. The same way. Uh, and we don't want to do it generationally because you're a millennial doesn't mean that we're going to talk to you one way because millennials, for example, I'm just using them as an example. Um, there's a, millennials can be anywhere on the financial services spectrum. They could Absolutely. be just starting and, or just, you know, somehow struggling, or they could be way ahead, maybe, or maybe they're more affluent. So we're using analytics to better understand who our member is and what their real needs are, as opposed to trying to talk to everybody in the you know the same way.
0: Okay. And, and uh, keeping on the data and analytics uh, yeah. uh, topic, how, how does data and analytics sort of manifest itself in terms of service uh, that the um, credit union provides customers? Are there mm-hmm. things that you learn about customers that enable you to uh, service them better?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so for, for example, uh, one example is we use voice analytics Okay. So we have a contact center, we get thousands of calls a week, thousands, I mean, on scale. So we've been harnessing that to be able to find key triggers. So we can then now better understand, you know, in the volume of calls that come in, there was no better way. There was no way to really understand what what are the hot topics? What do we see trends? So we're much better and much more adept at being able to look at a macro level of what the trends are in terms of the discussions that customers or members are having with our contact center teams that's that's one example of how it, it manifests it. itself got it
0: okay cool and and i'm i'm curious just you've been in the business for a while as you look forward what's your prediction on what the banking and credit world uh union world is going to look like how, how do you think it might be different you know mm. uh five years out or so than than the way it looks today what, what do you yeah. think some of the changes might might be
1: well i don't have a uh, crystal ball but i can tell you <laughs> i've been very interested in uh obviously the fintech movement and what's okay, been happening sure. with fintechs and i study them and and watch them carefully uh, I watch tech fins, so I'm also interested in understanding how large technology te- technology companies, um, you know, like Amazon or Apple or Google, are getting into financial services. So right. I think it's an exciting time to be in financial services, uh, I mean, at least as from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. because uh, clearly the commoditization of of banking or financial services products I mean everybody has checking accounts right. everybody can do a debit account you know so you can't go back to saying you know it's it's just it we have we have more or we have less or whatever yeah, right. you have to focus on real brand differentiation and you have yeah. to deliver that uh, both digitally and otherwise I don't think by the way the branch is going away I think uh, we've the larger banks have already proven that the branch model is going to be there because it's a right. service model there's some branding effect in that. They might be more strategic as we are and where we put branches, but we believe, and we still see it, people still, on occasion, they still want to go to a branch, even though they can do everything they want from their phone or from their desktop.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, definitely. Um, Yeah. I mean, is that the trend, as we see, you know, FinTech options uh, surface is, is a need that they're satisfying mostly centered around sort of, ease of use and mm-hmm. and more than anything else oh sure
1: absolutely yeah,
0: yeah. you know okay. uh
1: there's no question about that i in some respects i think some of the fintechs are following the credit union model
0: okay
1: uh, there's a few of them out there that i won't name that actually don't refer to their customers as customers they refer to them as members oh, they do. and are building a model so, well listen they took a change there i think they're taking a page from the credit union. So we've been ahead of that. Our service okay. model has been very strong. I mean, it's there's yeah. no question. You know, people who are looking for service and want either digital service access, you know, omnichannel and to be able to get that on a broad basis, you know, credit unions have been delivering that for a long time. Yeah. So my thing as a marketer is we just need to make sure we stay focused on always making it seamless and as easy as possible for our members to do business the way they want to do business, not the way we want them
0: to do business. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Focus is key. Absolutely. Um, So I'm curious, do you manage any of your advertising like activities in house or do you work with any marketing agencies at all?
1: Sure. We've had, uh, before I got here, there was always, you know, we're large enough to have an agency relationship. And um, so, yes, we do. Uh, okay. the I think the agency model piece is uh, enormously changing more focusing more on digital so the traditional a lot of agencies that I run into are struggling mm-hmm. to become more digital mm-hmm. uh, but are still stuck in that hybrid model or the old model of you know billing hours and you know right. we're going to do creative I've kind of uh, I changed agencies almost uh, not too long after I got here because. Okay you know most of my marketing spend and investment is digital yep. i don't do a lot in traditional unless sure. i'm going into a new market where i need to blend my digital with traditional marketing and i okay. get that but for the most part you know we're focused fully on digital marketing and leveraging every asset there so i don't need a traditional advertising agency right. i as a matter right. of fact we've rebuilt creative so most of the creative that we do is done in house Okay, I was going to ask um, what we, are you
0: doing most often? So we, yeah. we
1: leave the agency relationship for us is more digital marketing focused. We partner right. on digital marketing and using and leveraging their assets to make sure that our digital marketing campaigns and our digital marketing overall, including strategy, is, you know, all encompassing. And, and they help us manage that piece because I right. we run a fairly lean marketing team here. Yeah. So, I don't have assets here that can run everything. Right. Uh, But we, it's, I I don't have patience. We don't, we have, what we find is we have to be quick to market. So, the traditional agency model, one of the things that I'm not, I, I don't, really appreciate anymore is I have to wait in line to get creative done because there's 10 other cut co- clients waiting for the same <laughs> sure, access. Sure. So right. oh we'll get it to you a week from now. It doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. So we have a we have a very talented in in-house group for creative creative and okay. I broaden that out. We also outsource so we try to find very talented creative talent that don't have All to right. become employees. But we can outsource just some creative too when, when
0: there's an overflow need or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we well, we
1: we just we have to move faster than I think a lot of traditional agencies okay. move.
0: What what benefits um, would you say your current agency is bringing you in in, in focusing on digital? Is it uh, you know strictly a, a, an expertise in managing that aspect of the business, or are there other benefits?
1: Well, they were clearly, I mean, one of the reasons we changed agencies is because we needed an agency that really was on top of the digital game. And there are oh, great yeah. agencies now. I mean, obviously, the larger agencies have been buying digital agencies. Sure. You know, because they know, recognize that some customers don't want the traditional model. They're just focused on digital. And that's kind of where we've gone. I think our our agency, as I said, we we use them and they're excellent and really deliver the goods in terms of being able to provide the that's digital right. marketing management. The reporting, we work, obviously, co-partner because we have to have analytics come back. So, you know, the data flows, you know, all of that. That's where we rely on our agency. It's it's much different from the traditional model. We rely on that. The other thing, too, is One thing that agencies still offer is there's a lot of intellectual capital in any agency. You know, they've seen and, you know, they do a lot of different uh, work with a lot of different clients. They see different strategies that have worked or not worked. Right. So I think our, the way we use our agency is more strategic when it comes to branding, development, brand positioning, uh, strategic marketing. You know, they're involved in those discussions at a high level because they have other perspectives that challenge us. And I need that intellectual capital to yeah. apply it to, you know, so we're, we're challenged. We're not yeah. being stale.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, great, great perspective. And I, I think it's so important for an agency to sort of step up and operate in that way. And I'm just curious, like, did you tell the agency that that's what you wanted or did they see that opportunity and, and stepped into it uh, on, on their own?
1: Yeah. Well, we did a formal RFP.
0: Yeah. So sure. that
1: RFP was pretty kind pointed in my direction of you you don't come to the table without having real digital chops, you know. Yeah, some sure. some you hear a lot of agents, oh, we we're, we're strong in digital, but when you look under <laughs> the hood, right. you know, they really don't have the assets on staff. They still have an account manager model. They still have the traditional, you know, blah 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 and I'm like, yeah. no, no. So we were clear in our RFP what we were looking for.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. I'm glad it's worked out. Um, Any advice you'd give to a marketer thinking about bringing a new agency on board?
1: You know, I, to be honest with you, uh, you know, it depends on, you know, our needs are different than other uh, banks or financial services Mm -hmm. institutes or any company. My thing is you really need to be clear to them about what really counts, what really share with them, what drives the business. And make sure that you're dealing with an agency that really understands that, you know, it's not just the number of clicks going to, you know, the website, that the performance demands that we have. We have to drive demand so that our sales teams and our other omni-channel areas can then deal with the demand and convert it into business, right? We can right. help people solve problems. Uh, but so if you, as long as you're crystal clear about that and are focused and really, I think, keep yourself disciplined on that. I think you can get whatever you need out of the right agency model. And there's a lot of great agencies out there. Some of them have, you know, the hybrid model. Some are digitally only focused. You just have to make sure you understand what what you need and what's really going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's great. And and my last question is if an agency were trying to knock down your door and attempting to win business from you, what advice would you give them?
1: Yeah. Well, it's like the advice I get to anybody uh, that's trying to, you know, either – apply for a position or try to break down the door is uh, do your homework. Okay. Uh, don't, don't come knocking on the door and, you know, oh, I saw your website and that's going to suffice you. I think <laughs> in my opinion is if you're going to go after our business, you better darn well know the, uh, the financial services, you know, hot buttons, what's hot right. now, what's problematic, what are we looking to solve for uh, as best you can. So the more I think you understand the industry that we're in, the challenges that we have, uh, the better you are going to be able to sell me or anybody else that, you know, you're, you're really interested in making a difference. Yeah. Instead of just taking on an account.
0: Yeah. You get phone calls from a lot of agencies that don't do that and don't know much about what you do.
1: Not, no, you know, not really. No, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. no
0: Good good for you. (laughs) I think you're, you're, you're one of a few marketers. So, uh, well, listen. This has been great, really insightful, and and I'm sure not not only for folks working in the financial services space, but uh, marketers working in other industries. Just understanding sort of the importance mm. of, of focus and customer service, and sort of how you know an organization like you, you know, manages in your world against you know what might be bigger you know, more well financed competitors out there and and also dealing in a, a changing, evolving marketplace and and how you, you know, really sort of maintain your position. So uh, David, really appreciate you making the time today and, and wish you nothing but the best uh, moving forward.
1: Thanks, Mark. All right. I appreciate Take the care. opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.